On March the 3rd, 2021, Sarah Everard disappeared. She was just walking home. 70% of women have experienced sexual harassment in public. That number rises to 97% when we're looking at 18 to 24 year olds. Only 4% of those reported the incident, with 45% believing it wouldn't change anything. Today, me and Hass dive into this conversation. We look at who taught us about how we should treat women, whether women should be treated differently to men, what that looks like. We look at chivalry. What does that mean? Is there a place for masculinity in today's world? What does that look like? As ever, we tackle this conversation with raw honesty and in the best way that we can. One year on from the first ever lockdown in the UK as a result of COVID-19, 147,681 deaths have been linked to the terrible virus. We spend a little bit of time looking at what that's meant for the world and where we are now before moving on as always, to our reasons to be cheerful. As ever, we are tackling conversations that people are often avoiding. And this one does that in a way that we try to show up to every episode. If you haven't yet done so, please make sure that you do leave us a review on the platform that you listen to us on and come and join us at a 115 miles pod on Instagram. And I really hope you enjoy this valuable conversation. <laughs> This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. Ollie Merz, it's very good to have you on the show today. Our, get, our listeners are going to be super excited to have you here. Why Ollie Merz? I, I think it's the denim shirt with the pink t-shirt underneath. I've it's seen that. the denim. I've seen you wear the denim shirt on its own. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Done up, but today you've gone for the denim shirt undone with the pink t-shirt underneath. You wish you could uh, pull this off like me, don't you? I do, mate. Yeah, I really wish. You I need a certain complexion, I think, to pull off pink. I think I've got the complexion to pull off pink. Uh, I think you probably have. I think you probably have, yeah. I would never wear a shirt with a T-shirt underneath it. Why? What's wrong I'm, with that? I'm still a young man. Um, so... <laughs> you... Um, let's, get, let's, get, let's get this out, right? Because you often make uh, uh, little jokes about me being an old man, but... You're not that young anymore, are you? No, no one wants to tell the guy who's older now that he's not young anymore. You know, so. No, I'm not young. I'm not young anymore. Uh, I just feel it whenever I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel older when I'm with you, uh, and wiser, smarter, richer, more good-looking. What can I say? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll give you all of them. You can have them <laughs> if it makes you feel good. <laughs> Uh, that's not where I was going to start, but Hass, today, uh, I don't know if you know this, because you've just told me that you, don't, you you haven't been watching the news. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that like a, a purposeful thing you've been doing, by the way? No, I've just been really busy, and then the rest of the time, I'm just uh, trying to catch up on my Netflix binge-watching, so... What are you watching at the moment? 
Uh, actually, it's not, not on Netflix. It's on Apple, and it's called The Morning Show. And a couple of people have recommended it to me, and it's all about sort of the Me Too thing. And uh, it's got Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston, and yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good so far. Right, and that's on Apple TV. Yeah, you definitely yeah. are richer than me if you're paying for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, get, I, get, I get the free trial. Yeah, no, I had the free trial, but it's run out. Yeah. Um, are you uh, in the line of duty? Or is it just line of duty? I don't think it's in the line. Uh, Are you a line of duty guy? Mate, I am so line of duty. I'm so line of duty. Did like, you watch I it on Sunday? I did. I basically kicked out uh, my family from the living room because I just don't want anyone distracting me while I'm watching it. I'm so you watched, it, you watched it? You watched it? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I, I'm not like, we don't really watch, I don't have a TV area in my house, right? So we don't really watch normally things that are on, but we are line of duty. We're proper in on it. So... We watched so, it. Oh, you did. What did you Sunday think? Um, I, I they kept talking about a jizz head or something, and I and it was doing my head in because I didn't know what what it was. Oh, oh, I don't know what. You, uh, yeah, let's. You not know go. what I'm on about. It's, yeah, it's, let, it doesn't sound anything like no, jizz head, but no, it's, let's it, not it, you, let's not go down there again. Um, <laughs> it's like but, under. It's like an yeah, undercover. Yeah. Person no, no. Whatever. Sorry, it's a chiz. It's a, a chiz. Yeah, yeah, which is like an undercover. Uh, yeah, informant, isn't it? Something yeah, you were going to act like you knew what it was, then, but she, she said it at the end of the thing, didn't they? The yeah. lady come on and said, "If you're wondering," and then, uh, but no, I thought it was very good. I'm really it was, but you it. can tell they're just building it all up, getting it ready. Well, that's what they always do, I isn't love it? it. Yeah, did it really so highlighted how crap my memory was though? Because every time there was like a bit of a reference to the to the bit before I was going to Past Leah, season. like yeah, yeah, I was like going to Leah. Did, what, it, yeah. Was that because this in the last one <laughs> between us we weren't we could have yeah. done with recapping on the last. Yeah, one, I was thinking about doing that as well because I've forgotten what what happened. But anyone who hasn't watched Line of Duty, I'm like trying to get everyone to get on, into it because it's so good. You'll be hooked. it's the best thing that's been on TV since I don't know The Office, which I've started watching again. On <laughs> I can always I can always repeat uh, on Office, man. I, yeah, like anytime about- I'm a bit channel surfy and. I'll come across an episode of The Office. That's it. Stop yeah, surfing. Uh, once a year I go through it, I think. Yeah. Leah doesn't watch it, so I always have to watch it. When I act like Ricky Gervais, which I do all, like, like that's my All the humor, time, mate, you just are be Ricky, Ricky Gervais. Gervais. Yeah. Uh, uh, my wife, Leah, thinks it's really, really funny, but she doesn't She doesn't like The Office. She like, I, she just it makes me cry. She just thinks you're like that. That's why yeah, she just she, laughs no, at No, she you. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we first, when we first met, and like I, when I did a couple of the old sort of like, oh, you know, Ricky Gervais style stuff, she did think I was just do that again. Social, that wasn't very Ricky Gervais. No, I'm not doing it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't hire Josh to do Ricky Gervais impressions. <laughs> Stick to resilience workshops, mate. <laughs> you need resilience just to sit through that Ricky Gervais impression. If I'm All honest. right, mate. All right, the first one was <laughs> sorry. Funny, yeah? Okay. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, anyway, that after that little bit of a TV review, which was very needed actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Today marks, I think I already started saying this, today marks one year, do you know this? Since, do you know, one year since what, Has Lockdown? Lockdown, today marks one year. Was that today? I thought it was last week. No, it's today since we went into a full, first full lockdown was one year ago today. And since then there's been 104, at the time of reading this this morning, 147,681 deaths that mentioned COVID in the certificate. Um, so I do want to get on to that 
probably on the second half of today's recording. I don't want to start there because I feel like we should start with another conversation. Um, and so I'm going to go straight there. On March the 3rd, uh, 2021, while walking in Clapham, Sarah Everard uh, was reported as miss missing. She disappeared. Uh, and it, we, we later found out that she had been uh, kidnapped and later killed by uh, uh, an acting police officer. Um, how have you felt? I think it was something that really sort of captured the nation. Uh, well, clearly it has, and we're going to go on to talk a little bit about that. Uh, how have you sort of felt? Has it touched you in any way that sort of springs to mind when I bring it up? Um, yeah, lot, lots of ways. I think, um, you know, firstly, uh, for Sarah herself, you know, <clears throat> just seeing pictures of her and uh, how young she was and uh, how much life she had ahead of her and, you know, the sadness, at, at, like just the loss of life and how scared she must have been in those moments, like really... Um, as a human being, you can't not be affected by that. But then as a dad of two girls, uh, you, it just makes you worry about like uh, safety. Um, and then I think there was anger at, um, at the way, you know, um, certain people were saying that actually it was her fault for walking home late at night and making her almost responsible for her own death because she decided mm -hmm. she wanted to walk. So, and then I'm really pleased that, you know, the conversation um, uh, became more vociferous around uh, safety of women. And actually this is uh, something that cannot continue to get ignored. And then there's another piece to it, which is, um, which is around the media coverage of her death versus the the lack of media coverage around other uh, 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 female deaths in similar situations of, of people of colour and mm. just the way that the media, you know, reported against those versus against Sarah's death. Yeah, and I think on that point, it's interesting how much it tends to resonate when it's somebody that's relatable, very relatable to to white people, right? Uh, and I've seen a few I've seen a few posts about that I just want to sort of before we sort of dive into it a little bit I want to highlight um, how important I think it is for us to have this conversation last episode that we did was it was International Women's Day I think just prior to what we did it and we sort of touched on it and then we didn't really talk about it too much um, and I feel like there's been a lot of conversation since this has happened around the way that women are treated the way that men show up um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the whole men, some men saying not all men um, and women talking a lot about the thing that they experienced. When we talked a little bit about Women's Day last episode, I'll be honest, I, I, I was a little bit sort of fearful was probably the word of talking about it, feeling like I'm not, um, I'm not, what's the word, educated in that space to be able to talk about talk about it but I think we do need to talk about it and we need to risk naivety in the conversation that we're about to have because I think we have a duty in what we do on this podcast to turn up to this conversation I just want to read you a couple of stats that I've seen online um, before we go in and discuss a little bit more 70% of women 
said that they have experienced sexual harassment in public, right? That figure changes to 97% when it's just women aged between 18 and 24. Only 4% of women reported the incident. And 45% believe that it wouldn't change a thing even if they did report it. 97% of 18 to 24 year olds have been sexually harassed in public. Oh, what do you think about that? I know that's a very open question, but. What do I think about all the numbers or the 97%? Uh, either or. What's conjuring up what, uh, in you when, when, we, when we talk about it? The, the 97%, I, see, when you said first said 70%, 70 of women have been, uh, have suffered sexual harassment, I thought, oh, I thought the number was higher than that because I'd obviously picked up on the news. The 97%, when I heard that number last week, I was, um, I was shocked at how it was. And then, um, and I realised that as somebody who considers himself to be quite empathetic, as I do, I couldn't really empathise. I was compassionate, but I couldn't empathise. You know, the difference between empathy and compassion is you can be yeah. there for somebody with compassion, but empathy is like putting yourself in their shoes. And I just, I couldn't empathise, you know, enough that 97% of women, but I can fully believe it. I mean, I, you know, I can, and it's like, I realise as men, oftentimes, and this is the big argument, which is, you know, the difference between being not racist and anti-racist is that you have to be an activist towards making change. And I realise I fall into the, the not bit rather than the anti bit, right? So, um, you know, that that's led me to believe that actually maybe, you know, not maybe, I haven't been considering this enough, which is surprising given that I just said I've got two daughters that I'm raising. Um, and then the other thing that I would get really sad about actually is only 4% of those were reported and only, and 45% think that even if they did report it, nothing would happen. So that just tells me the lack of belief, confidence, trust in, you know, the system, which is obviously largely, um, structured towards privileging men you know like i told you that uh, you know a few years ago i went on this amazing program where i learned a lot about designing for inclusion and i went into that program with a bunch of people that i didn't know and um you know i grew up as a as a brown man in a in a in a majority white country uh, I single parent, like my dad passed away when I was 10 months old. We didn't have a lot of money. Muslim, raised as a Muslim boy. Yeah, I was walked in thinking, okay, if there's a line of underprivileged, I'm firmly on that side. And I walked in almost a little bit proud of the fact that, you know, I've, 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 you know, I've made it despite all, all the challenges I've faced. And I walked away and I realised the biggest privilege I have in this world, doesn't matter about all that, it's about being a man. Mm. And, uh, and I, and I realised that that is just, and, and men, as men, we, we benefit from structures and, and therefore, um, keep those structures in place. That's just true. That's why, you know, so many women, uh, you know, continue to not have access to the best opportunities, 
um, that they are, uh, you know, you know, uh, physically, um, uh, you know, uh, oppressed and, you know, and all those sorts of things, because men, you know, do that, do that and keep themselves in a position of power. So yeah, there's a lot, you've covered a lot and it's like a, a quite a full answer. What, what would you, it, what would you say that we, the average person like you or me can do? Now, I want to just quickly look at the reaction that happened online, right? We talked a little bit about the way that kind of men reacted with uh, International Women's Day. We, certainly I know I, I remember I did, we almost, I almost mocked some people in the way that they reacted online to it. I was, it was playful, right? I wasn't being nasty, but I did sort of make a little bit, I asked you, if you remember, I asked you if you posted a picture online of you and your mum or, or whatever. Um, I, I worry a little bit about the way that we react as a society now, where it's about how can I construct the best social media post in reaction to this, that's gonna make me liked, right? Mm -hmm. So the sort of, to the general posts that you saw online from people in my sphere, in my echo chamber, was either, as a man, I should post calling out anybody that says it's not all men and, and come up with a nice analogy of why that doesn't matter to show that I'm not one of the bad ones, right? Another really uh, common post I saw online from men was, um, I know I can do more, tell me, what do I need to do to make you feel safer? And again, for me, that's another way of showing I'm not one of the bad ones, right? So I just feel like there's this now, not just in this conversation, and I'm guilty of it myself, by the way, because we all want to be liked and feel like we're doing the right thing. But there's this kind of, let me get the right social media post to show that I'm one of the good ones, right? Are we doing the, uh, enough reflecting on ourselves as men um, to stop ourselves, you know, to stop the parts of ourselves that make us lean towards being, I don't want to say one of the bad ones, but part of the problem. For example, I know that in, I can very safely and honestly say this, me and you in our conversations don't, you know, in our even in our most bantery of conversations, it never goes down the work that down the route of being derogatory towards women, right? It just doesn't. It never does. Mm. We're both married men with children. Is it because of that? If we were still single and mixing with loads of single men, would we be doing it? So I've sort of gone around the houses a little bit. What? But what do you think? Do do do? Are me and you just one of the good ones who don't need to do anything, right? Or do we do do we need to do more? I know it's a bit of a uh, well. Firstly, question. let me say I don't think we're one of the good ones because we don't do enough. We're just not. We're not one of the, uh, the not bad ones. You know what I mean? So um, I think we should be doing more, particularly in our positions of uh, influence. This podcast, like we should be doing more. So like, let's let's just say that. Secondly, you know, just going back to our last podcast, I think we were having a bit of a joke at not. You know, just to be clear, I don't think it was at International Women's Day or the fact that it, it's a day that celebrates the uh, uh, the power of, of women. Of and I know not. you're not saying that. Know that. Yeah, what we what we were sort of, um, I guess, again, we were poking fun at the people that um, that virtue signal, right? But when it comes to this, and I'm I'm literally just thinking as you said it to me. I'm, I haven't really thought deeply about it before now, but I think we should worry less about judging those people, 
right, who are virtue signaling potentially, and 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 acknowledge that it's more important for the message to get out. Mm-hmm. So actually, yeah, it could be that those those particular men are trying to portray themselves in a particular way. Mm-hmm. However, every time something gets posted, it it gets reshared or tweeted or it shows up in people's feeds and that's a good thing and I think in this situation again I'm not trying to sound virtuous myself here but I think we could spend a lot of energy judging people and their intentions but actually we should move on with our lives pretty quickly and as you and I've done in the past where we look at something and go oh my god that's just completely hollow and false but we don't spend too much time we have a look at it we might say, oh, you know, you know, that doesn't feel genuine. And then we move on because we've got more important things to do. So I think even though those people exist, of course, that, you know, since the dawn of time, there's always been, uh, you know, people that are trying to uh, leverage opportunity and being opportunistic in creating their fame. I think um, let them get on with it. Um, you know, eventually they'll get called out if they don't meet their, you know, I said to you last time, deeds not words. If they don't meet their words with deeds, then they'll get called out. And I think that, you know, in the same way that, you know, you raised the conversation today in the same way that we um, need to be doing more um, and are doing more, I think um, uh, that that's what we need to pu- push towards is, is, is deeds. So, in, so if, just to kind of round up, if people are posting this stuff and it doesn't feel entirely genuine and it feels like they're tr- positioning let them go on with it because the message is still getting out yeah I think when I was alluding to it I was less alluding to the people that are very consciously thought I'm going to leverage this yeah right I think sometimes we do it like very subconsciously is what I'm talking about so I'm talking less about the people that are like leveraging it they exist but I'm talking more about how as a society almost subconsciously now we think that doing the right thing is to say the right words and i'm i'm as guilty as anybody on this right so i'm talking a little bit more about the kind of the way that we do it subconsciously rather than looking at our shadow selves and when i say our shadow selves i mean looking at the ways in which we may think and sometimes allow those thoughts to turn to kind of to turn to 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 deeds but the wrong the wrong deeds you know what i mean And, and 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 then you have to and then that comes down to starting to look at the way in which um we raise boys into men in our society right we've had a couple of talks we talked about porn and the sex industry and all that kind of stuff and the way that influences men but i mean let me ask you this and this you know there's quite a little bit to explore with this question who taught you how to treat a woman i was raised by two women right so my mum and my sister so Mm -hmm. There was, no, I don't think there was ever really um, an explicit conversation that I can recall, right? Which is, this is how you should treat women. I think it was just um, probably seeing with my own eyes, you know, how, you know, two women, and obviously my sister was only six years older than me, so she was just my big sister, but, um, you know, the way that they um, raised me or, or supported me in my sister's case, um uh and then i think it's inherently there's a little bit of wiring just you know around the race you know around the way i was nurtured but also i think nature as well i think there's something in my dna uh, i'm told that my dad was very 
respectful and um, you know towards other people and and things like that. So I think there's a, a little bit of that in me. Um, and then I think there's you know there's always you know when you you, you know you, there's always you know family friends and you know and there were there were male influences it's not that there weren't any male influences and they were they were always listen you've got to you know we've talked about this right you need to you're given these messages when you're a kid even though you're not ready for it so you have to you know you have to be responsible you're the man of the house even though I was you know mm. uh, five years old or something like that and so you take on a level of responsibility um, you do know, you think that's right responsibility by the way at a young age or just in general in general do you think there is something in you talked about the being the man of the house yeah is there something is there something in that it should you be, should, what is being man of the house i don't know listen i was five years old when when they were telling that to me and i think that was just from a patriarchal society that's like a, a male driven ego like you've got to be responsible for the you know the the house the the um the structure of it, the finances, let alone the fact that my mum was keeping us together, keeping the roof on our house, um, yeah. you know, uh, working until all hours and then, you know, feeding us and sending us to school. Like my mum was the person that was doing all that. But I mean, I think that was just them trying to, I guess, prepare me or nurture me for the world. I don't, I don't know what it is. Do I think um, there, there is a place for something like the man of man of the house. No, I don't. Not anymore. Because look, you know this. I know this. It's a partnership. It's a total partnership. Mm. Like um, we have our respective roles to make our unit work, and mm. we come together. We make decisions together. We're equally important. And um, but but I know that not all people share that point of view. And I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm asking you really hard questions here on purpose, right? I'm sort of, you know, because nice. that's it's what good. we do on here. That's yeah. what we do on here. Um, do you think? Do you think you should treat women differently to you treat men? In any way? Yes. Go on. Look. Yeah. Have you have you got if you've got a direction, then go in it. Otherwise, I'm I'm going to chuck a direction at you. I think um, it's a really hard one to unpack, right? And for me, I think some of it is wire wiring around respect. It's around uh, being courteous. Around uh, what what yeah, I want to pick each thing you say apart courteous what you should be more courteous to a woman than you should a man not more no good point uh very good point i guess um i apologize for making you squirm here because i'm sort of doing it on on purpose and i you know i'll, I'll sort of, as you answer i will too i don't want to just yeah no no i don't i actually that's a really good point that's a really good point because i think i was inherently thinking about the way i've been raised which is always be gentlemanly, you know, like be a gentleman, be, you know, like be courteous and stuff like that. Um, but actually no more than every human be deserves the same level of courtesy. So if I'm going to, I don't hold a door open for a woman and not for a man. Like if I'm in front of somebody and I'm, and I'm opening the door, I'll hold it <laughs> open for everyone, you know, so I don't necessarily do it just for right. women and just for men. I think the holding a door one, it, I, I, I agree with you, right? Yeah. 
you're you're smiling awkwardly at me because you know what about if we went i've been out for dinner with you a couple of times we've gone out for some food right you know only if i'm paying um you've never paid no i know because i always lose the best you've never pulled the chair out for me i don't pull a chair out for a woman either you <laughs> that's no, that's a bit of a relic. Uh, no, age uh, what about what thing. did you on your like? Did you on your first dates? No, no. All right. <laughs> Where were you born in the nineteen fifties? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just asking. I, no, I know. Like that, that's not. I think I'm, I'm trying to get. What I'm trying to get at here is is chivalry. Is there room for being? Is there room for it now? Is there room for for it? I mean, like. I'll go out on a limb and say, I probably don't anymore, but when I first met Leah, if we were about to walk through a door, I would rush to open the door for her, right? You know, like, let me get it. Let me get the car door for you and all that kind of stuff. Now, as I'm saying it, because I'm challenging myself when I say it, I don't think it was because she was a woman. It was because I was desperately trying to impress her to make her yeah. think I was nice, yeah? yeah. So. That wasn't really about, that was being chivalrous. That's not about position of, of, of power and that kind of stuff, is it? No, I don't think so. And also I think I would sort of, if I'm a little bit ahead or if I, if I want to be kind spirited, I'd probably do that anyway still. And I'd probably do that if we were walking down, like in, you know, in, have, down the corridor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cause you're always tr- trying to jump ahead, trying to impress me. Uh, that's what's going on. Um, yeah, like, look, shiv- there's the sort of different parts of chivalry, right? In, in the old days, like a gentleman would take off his cloak and put it over a puddle and so that, you know, the, the woman wouldn't have to well, get her feet dirty and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I think it's, there's something around um, uh, sh- chivalry around um, not hollow gestures, but you want to know, I, I, I want to feel like if I had to, I would step into a moment if, if, if my masculinity was needed, right? So, um, if I, it, so I, I hope to think that if I was walking down the street and if a woman was being one of the women that was 97% that was being um, sexually harassed or worse was kind of being physically manhandled that I will step in, right? All right, so so let me just ask you, you're walking down the street, there's a woman in front of you and somebody across the other side of the road gives it the old wolf whistle. Yeah, so then um, you're gonna, what are you gonna do? I'd walk past. That, that like if you really want the honest answer of yeah, what I, I would have yeah, done, do. yeah, and that make and that makes me feel really uncomfortable saying that publicly. But you almost go, it's a wolf whistle. You're going on about your life. It's kind of past, right? I'll think about it twice now. But the trouble is, what if can I'm really you do? honest, if it's a mate, big meat if, 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 that yeah, might beat you yeah, up. yeah, exactly. That like that is the like that is the you you assess you assess the level at which you will you have to put yourself into danger, right? Yeah. So if somebody was being dragged off the street, you step in. Like, there's no question about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if, um, if or if somebody was being uh, verbally attacked, you go in and be with that person in that space to make sure that they are not feeling alone. 
But I'd, I'd, you know, I'd love to for the listeners. I'd love to say, yeah, I'd step in, but they'd know that that was probably just being me being disingenuous at a yeah, wolf whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't do that. And but you might. I mean, if you caught eye contact with the woman that had been wolf whistled at, you might sort of say you didn't deserve that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Would you? Would you? you might with do, a, with an eye? With an eye? Like you've? I've, I, I mean, I think this is a big conversation, the, right? But look, if it. You make loads of assessments. You make you make an assessment on whether that 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 person feels threatened or if they're you know entirely in, in if they're in discomfort, and then you might make a decision based on that. You might step across the road. You might walk with them. You might not attack the person that's doing, but you might provide safety and support to the person that's uh, being wolf whistled. So you might just say, "Hey, listen, let me just walk you down to the end of the road." I, I suspect I would more likely do something like that than take on the big meathead if it's a big meathead. Um, you know, and I'm just being really honest here, you know, like yeah. you've got to assess like, it, you know, it, it's possible that a, a simple wolf whistle, if you step in, that could escalate where you end up getting lamped and you just got to assess like that. Um, and that's a really hard thing, right? Because otherwise, if you don't do step in moments... Um, then it's always going to be those numbers, right? It's only 4% that will report uh, the the harassment case. And so something has to change. But I don't know what can get done unless you kind of criminalise something like that. I don't know what will ever get done unless you criminalise it. I do think there's a lot to be said for going back and, and and the way that we speak to young boys and stuff like that. Because I grew up with, I grew up with, um, without a dad. Uh, I had a stepdad. Um I think the way that we talk about sex with children, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to go deep into it again. Please, we've already please done don't this. do that again. <laughs> but, but I do think there's a lot to be said for it because I was taught about how to treat women uh, a lot by blokes in the pubs that were all talking shit. Yeah. And it was all about, listen, when I was 19, when I was in my late teens, me and every man I hung about with went out to try and pull. Right? Yeah. Now, I was having a conversation. Uh, I do uh, create, I've got a space that we've created for teachers and I, I I do it with a friend of mine called Krish, not your business partner, Krish, and a, another guy called Krish, uh, and a girl called Laura. And we were having a bit of a conversation about everything that had gone on. And I started to go down the route of saying, look, we really need to look at how we allow young men to just go out and just want to pull women and, you know, saying whatever they they can to get the woman to go back with them, um, you know, and, you know, we don't want, we're not having the conversation about how bad that is and a man will just say anything he can to make a woman go back. And she got, Laura was a little bit like, well, hang on a minute. She's like, what makes you think that, like, women are so fragile and incapable of knowing when a man's just trying to pull a fast one and what about women that go out looking to try and pull men and it was quite a big moment for me because what I realised was that there was still a part of me that was making myself as a man just in general to be more powerful more intelligent almost than these poor fragile women who just are defenceless all of the time right mm. so I'd gone sort of like too far the other way so I had to do quite a big bit of self-reflection in that moment to realise even that narrative. Do, do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I mean, know. I think that is part of the problem. Like, uh, you know, 
like all due respect, like we have to stop also doing the women need to be safe thing as well. Like yeah. we have to educate young children around uh, how to treat each other. You know, young boys need to know how to treat other boys. They need to understand, you know, their own emotions about sensitivity. You talk a lot about this, you know, you don't mm. just, you know, the phrase man up is should be eradicated from society. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yes, we need to teach young men how to not objectify women uh, in the way that we talked about in a couple of podcasts ago. We have to get them to look at um, uh, women as uh, or to see them as in uh, as individuals as equals um and at the same time we need to do the same thing for our young girls as well we need to help them educate better uh, get educated better um but yeah we've got to like shift out of this savior thing it's not our job to um to save women it's our job to stop being men being dickheads you know like <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean like I if do, we mate. if we were if we were I less dickheady about um stuff uh, those numbers would increase and uh, around reporting and the harassment numbers would go down so men have to stop being dickheads yeah that's that's and the I, job yeah and i think we've got to do i think we've got to do more with young people actually to to to, to talk about what it is to be a good human uh i don't like the whole uh like separating this i think so much of uh the way that we look at gender from a kind of thought standpoint is social constructs that's dated a lot back to power and all that different kind of stuff i mean i was in a i did my first uh what's the new app called clubhouse thing the other day uh it was quite good actually i haven't been back on since but um, and it was around this whole sort of masculine, feminine idea and toxic masculinity. And there was a dude in there whose name I forget. But he was one of the other. <laughs> I'm so bad with names. Uh, but he was sort of talking from a standpoint of um, the need to help men to, to, to have good role models. And he made some really, really good points. But there was also this talk about like how women need to step up and support men in, in it. And I just don't. When you start going down this like masculine, feminine energy stuff, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I, I know some people that I really respect that do masculine and, and feminine energies and it really works for them. I just don't get it, right? Because I don't know, maybe it's because when I look at that stuff, all of my energy is like feminine stuff. You know, my son who's 10 years old is a boxer. But if you looked at his energies, they would be classed as feminine. And I just don't get it. And then, you know, like my wife is apparently really masculine. <laughs> but if you meet my wife, she's not masculine. Right. So it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But I don't. Like, so what's what does what what doesn't make sense to you? Like the what do you I'm a bit this need to about. bracket this need to oh. this need to bracket stuff. This need to be like this is masculine and this is feminine and we need like let me tell you a story about how problematic it could be as well, well can i just jump in for a second before yeah it feels like to me talking about things like masculine and feminine energy feels a bit dated yeah it does that, to me yeah doesn't it because actually like i think that feels like something from a few decades ago when you when you that sort of psychology uh, it doesn't belong in today's place because actually 
the society is broader even than just masculine and feminine anymore, right? Like there's exactly there's just that there are people do it's not a sliding scale now. People look at it as a sliding scale. Right? Yeah, but it's not it's not binary. Like for that, there are there are people identify the, in the, with themselves in very very different ways than they used to 20, 30 years ago. So it's exactly. not binary. It's you can't. It's just not masculine and feminine. It just feels a bit dated. Yeah, and when people talk about this stuff of like. Um, like masculine coming into your masculine energy of being the protector being the source being the or like it 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 does feel very date it feels very dated to me it's all the things that my wife are, are in our relationship you know for example it's the way that my my wife's the the strong one <laughs> yeah it's my wife so I don't know if I've ever told you this story before, but we were getting on a plane once and they had sat our two kids. At the time, they were like two and three. One of them was sat on the other side of the aisle, mm. right? Mm. Uh, and so it was just me, my wife, and one of our kids. And then the other one was supposed to be sat on the other side of the aisle. And when we got there to the seats, like we said to this person on the other side, we was like, you see what's happened here? Like, is there any chance you can swap? She would have had to sit away from her husband, this woman. Uh, because we don't want our three-year-old sat over there. And this woman said no. <laughs> she was like, no, I'm going to sit next to my husband, right? So I um, I don't do confrontation. I'm really bad at it, right? I've got two levels, which is like, don't say anything, don't say anything. Don't, and then, and then just kicking off. So I sat down and I'm thinking I'm going to kick off in a minute, right? And, and then this is going to be bad, da, da, da. Anyway, my wife's very good, very clear, very direct, right? Knows how to deal with confrontation. Was like, no, I'm not having it. The people are trying to get on the plane and you know what it's like. And we've stopped everyone in the aisle and people are looking down. And I began shrinking a little bit, right? It just overwhelmed me. Anyway, needless to say, my wife sorted the whole situation. You know, she's very forceful, clear, direct. No, this is what's going to happen. Somebody needs to come and sort. I don't care about other people until my children are sorted out. Anyway, she sorted it all in the way that she does. And for a moment, as the plane started to take off, I remember sitting there being a bit like, oh, you're so pathetic. Like, you're the, you're supposed to be, the, you, you should have been doing that. You should have sorted that. You should have stepped up and sorted it. And actually, what I started to think very quickly is, why? We're, we're a team, right? This is what Leah's very, very good at and I struggle with. And it's that old construct of thinking that, because I'm the man, I should have been able to do that, and I didn't. But it, I think there was probably stuff going on that wasn't just internal. Like, how do I feel? Part of it was probably how do I look? How do I look? People? How do I of look to these was, people yeah. around here? Like, yeah, yeah, I, but, it, yeah, yeah. But all of that comes from that construct of what it is to be masculine, quote unquote, right? Or what it is to be a man. And like, there's a lot of people that have said, "No, I'm not talking about what it is to be a man. I'm talking about masculine energy." Yeah. And I get, and, and, and for me, that's just a bit of a cop out. I get put in a lot of men's groups as well. I don't go on Facebook anymore, really, but when I used to. And there was one particular men's group that I was in that was loads of men, I'm going to say it, of a certain age, but your age and older. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a joke, right? But 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 they were in there. And, you know, what they were talking about was protecting men and a space for men and all that. But it was just lots of men, you know, getting really, really pissed off about, about women getting to some sort of equality right or or equity whatever you want to say but they didn't like it and and the the the, the attempt to balance things up did you challenge them in that group yeah i did yeah yeah i did massively and i was like just 
hated in the group. Someone put me in there and then you could see whenever I, in the end, whenever I came on, like just people just stopped replying. So uh, in the end I left the group because it was nothing to do with my values and I found myself just going in there all of the time. Uh, but you know, there was a lot of like, they wouldn't even challenge the idea of the whole boys will be boys and uh, you can't stop this and that. And I just didn't, yeah, I didn't like it. And I think a lot of that exists, particularly in the whole, you know, uh, not all men kind of stuff, the men that feel really, really triggered by it, you know, and all of that stuff. And, I, you know, it really did land with me when you saw the kind of placards that were like, um, that said things like she was just walking home. And I just think mm. about my daughter and the fact that when she's just walking home, do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, it's it, 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 like there's sort of a scale of um, offensiveness on this stuff, right? From mm. uh, you know, sort of the the way that men talk in groups like that and actively, you know, actively energize the perspectives and the views that actually there, you know, women and men aren't equal and, and all, all this sort of stuff, boys, you know, should be this yeah. or that and they shouldn't be this. And, um, and then you've got like, you've got just basically, um, just these inherent wired ways of doing things. So I read, I saw this thing on, it was actually on LinkedIn. It was, um, maybe it was on international women's day and, and a guy posted, oh, yeah, me and my friend, we do this thing, this annual thing uh, where we take her car for an MOT and it gives us a good, a good chuckle. Um, and uh, they said, uh, we go to the garage every year and, um, and the mechanic just starts talking to me. And yeah. oh, sorry, just to say that his, his friend's a female. The mechanic just starts talking to me. And he said, the funny thing is, I know nothing about cars, but she's the chief engineer of uh, McLaren F1. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, and they just have a laugh every year that they do that. And I just think that's, and that, you know, there's stuff like that always happens, right? Yeah. Anytime a builder comes to our house, right, they'll start talking to me. Yeah. I have no clue about two by twos and foundations and everything. Two like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, um, Erin's like, She's got like she, you know, she grew up on a farm. She that was very handy. Like like her, all her brothers, that you know, they they know what they're doing. And she's way more, way more like street smart on this stuff. But yeah. every time they come here, and then they work out pretty quickly. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Start talking to Erin, but it's just it's every time, you know. Yeah, it's the same same with me, same with me and Leah, and particularly with cars. You know, I've always said um, even if I got a flat tire, I would ring Leah. Yeah. I'd be like, Leo, I've got a flight. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Have you got a 2B2? You could bring... <laughs> a 4B2. <laughs> uh, uh, look, I think we've done a, a, a good conversation there. I just want to very, very quickly, before we go on to the reasons to be cheerful, uh, I do want to touch on this because it's been a year um, since we went into lockdown. Uh, and I think we should just sort of mark what a difficult year it's been. I had loads that I wanted to talk about. Uh, on it do, do you do you still feel quite confident uh that we're moving towards normality i don't think we're moving towards normality but i think we are uh moving towards not being in such a restrictive life um i i don't 
uh, I mean, I'm really, I'm really excited at the prospect of, you know, of uh, opening things up uh, at a very personal level. My my brother-in-law is in hospitality. He lost his job. He was, you know, he was, um, mm. he was at a restaurant for 14 years. And uh, for him, you can see that things, yeah, there's green shoots, there's, there's opportunities coming and he's an mm-hmm. incredible chef. So um, that, that feels good. Um, and yeah, just the idea of just kind of being able to do stuff, be out and about feels good. Um, I suspect there will be another big uh, uh, phase of kind of COVID infections because there's still a, a massive population that has not been vaccinated um, that are going to potentially get sick. Um, however, if it's just young people, and just you know, and they're just going to work their way through it. Then I think that then hopefully that should be fine. I hope so. I mean, some of the reporting, the ways that 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 this is always reported on continues to to really anger me. Uh, do, you know, and I think it's a lot to do with the way that we click on things, and we always click on the bad news, don't we? But I think everything is so uh, sensationalized all of the time. It's such a problem. We haven't really got time to talk about it today. Maybe we'll go into it another time. But I do. I, I just. I don't know. I've got worries. I've got worries about how much uh, power the government have managed now have as a result of this. And I just think we need to make sure that that power is taken away from them as soon as possible. You know, I just read this morning you can now be fined five thousand pounds if you go on holiday. Right. Okay. Which obviously wouldn't count if you're rich and powerful because you could say that you're going on holiday for work scheduling a meeting or whatever yeah uh and you and you're being so that kind of stuff really does worry me when you look at the protests that have happened and the and and and, and how illegal it's illegal at the moment to protest that's a massive problem yeah and uh, they've just changed it just changed the law thank god um but they've still got kind of restrictions on it there, i mean there is there is a conversation i think maybe it's a it's it's for it's for another occasion but there is a conversation to be had around um uh you know the the way that this government is is driving forward on kind of autocratic measures in the name of protecting i mean it was just a perfect storm you know we've got probably one of the worst governments that we've had mm. in, in the history of of governing i think in our country in terms of the people that are leading it um, our p- personal views on 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 some of their motivations, um, but then they were given not given. Sorry, they had to handle this um, this uh, pandemic. So a lot of the stuff that they've done has been sort of in the national interest. But you've got to you know. So for example, when you when you said about Matt Hancock saying yes, I broke the law and I'd do it again because it was in the nation- nation's interest. Um, it's stuff like that that I think is you know that needs to be scrutinised and you know it, everything leads back to you know the, you know the people that can oppose them should be opposing them the, the, the yeah. ones you know and that's you know I get and they're not said. and they're not they're not like and I I, I I I got a feeling Boris Johnson's more popular than ever he will be because of this yeah he will be definitely yeah which is why there's a lot of talk now about you know doing the doing the um, investigation into how COVID was handled but. I think that will just, you know, you know that will just uh, wash off their backs really because they are they they managed to get a you know a vaccination rollout through in a in a really 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 sophisticated and smart way. Yeah, they've done well with that. Yeah, they've done well. And actually, when you look at it, it's making. <laughs> I'm not going to open a can of worms, but it's making a Brexiteer out of 
everyone at the moment when you look at that, isn't it? It's mad. Well, uh, yeah. It's that's crazy. I'm not saying I've become a Brexiteer, but I'm just saying. Uh, you know, it gives I, validation to the argument, right? It does, it does. yeah, it does. It really does. Um, yeah, but that's for another week, maybe. I was going to yeah. go on to talk about how musty um, Boris Johnson probably smells. What do you think Boris Johnson smells like? He's not Rishi Sunak smelling, is he? Like you, no, you, you, yeah. you said before that you reckon Rishi smells pretty uh, yeah. sweet. Savage. Savage. That's my. That's my. Uh, oh, it's everyone's, mate. Of course, choice. it's yours, is isn't it? it? You're, yeah, um, I was I was doing Sauvage before Sauvage became famous. Yeah, I stopped doing it because it was because of why it, why because if it's a good smell. Oh. Listen, I'm ahead of the curve, mate. Yeah? No. You're on it. Uh, but yeah, I can. You, uh, Boris Johnson very stale. Are you saying therefore that that ponytails are, are coming back in like the 1980s Kenny Loggins look? Is that coming listen, back mate, in? I'm, listen, Ibrahimovic. Kenny Loggins. What? I don't know. I don't know who Kenny Loggins is. Can I, look, you look like Kenny Loggins. Let's keep things age appropriate. I don't. I wasn't born then, was I? But you look like um, foot, Footloose. Footloose. Right. That is a nice segue. If it is ever a segue, onto the reasons to be cheerful. Hass. Who's going first? You go first. My reasons to be cheerful is the launch of my resilience webinar on a personal, open basis. So the you know this the goal for me has always been to make the work that I do accessible to the people that need it um, and finally after you know probably too long I left it too long because I was a bit scared that I wouldn't get rid of any tickets if I'm honest with you um, and yet here I am I've released it the 22nd of April at 7.30 you can go and get your tickets come and get me on social media and get your ticket uh, yeah, I've opened it up at a very accessible and affordable rate and uh, I'm really pleased and proud to be able to do it. Brilliant, amazing. I mean, obviously we've talked about this, so you know, I don't want to pretend that this is the first time we're talking about it, but um, what I would say is, what I love about that is um, a lot of people don't get to access your work because you, you, you work a lot with, with organisations and corporates and teams and things like that. So um, it, particularly for... Uh, those people who you know need help and support and just need a little bit of uh, inspiration and kind of guidance this is bringing that opportunity so I'm I'm really really delighted you're doing that very happy um, and I may even buy a ticket look at that I may even put my hand <laughs> in my pocket um, I wish I had something as worthy but I don't um, my my reason to be cheerful is uh, we're fast approaching April uh, where I can get a haircut because my hair is looking very bushy on the sides. I quite like it longer. Do you reckon? Mm-hmm. I think it looks better, mate. All right, might have to do that then. But definitely this, the, 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 the back is looking a bit like a fry tuck monk sort of thing, <laughs> especially with the, 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 the receding crown on top. But it's the wispy, it's the wispy mullet uh, that needs to go basically so april the 12th right yeah man yeah. and the gym's open as well i hope the sauna's open man uh, i don't know that feels like a bit of a covey petri dish a sauna and it doesn't do well in heat Ooh, yeah all right or, or nakedness <laughs> i don't sauna naked okay just you wear a fig leaf <laughs> i was gonna make a silly joke 
I won't. Has this been really good? I'm really uh, pleased that we managed to have a proper conversation about uh, about what we did. So it's been good. Anything to add before I cut you off? Do you want to give me a line from an Oli Murs song or not? I, I really don't know any. I'm trying. I was trying to think of Oli Murs songs when you were mentioning them um, earlier. I can't remember any. He's very he's very forgettable, Oli Murs, isn't he? You know he listens to this. I love Oli Murs. <laughs> he's, I, I'm his biggest fan. <laughs> uh, that's a good note to leave it on. Ass, this has been brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan.